Thank you. Good morning, everyone. We'll just open with a prayer. Father, we love you so much. And Lord, we're honored to be in your house and to be in your presence. And Lord, I just pray that you would come and you would quicken this for it is only you can, oh God. And Lord, that you administer to the hearts of your people today. Lord, minister grace and strength, God, for all the things that, that each one is facing, we pray. Be glorified in this place. Be glorified in our lives, we ask in your precious name. Amen. Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers here. And, and as Daniel mentioned, those who are listening, we're so thankful for our moms and the sacrifice and love and commitment that comes with that God-ordained responsibility. And we recognize that being a mother is not just for a limited time, is it? You're a mom forever. <laughs> You're a mom forever. And uh, we want to recognize you and to honor you for all that you've done. And we appreciate you. We love you. And we can literally say we would not be here without you. We would not be here without you. And this morning when I was, uh, well, not this morning, but earlier this week, actually a few weeks ago when I was waiting on the Lord about the message for today, I was quickened with a, a mother from Scripture. And as you know, I usually like to share on different women from the Bible. And we'll see that this woman, this mother, was a woman of grace and wisdom, humility, discernment, and kindness. Her wise and gracious counsel saved her household and caused her to be ranked among the very few women who are recorded in Scripture. There's really only one day recorded um, in detail in the life of this woman, but it speaks volumes about her character. And actually, the more I studied her, the more I admired her. I've taught on her a few times, but I really um, got into her life. And this woman is Abigail. Abigail. And Abigail's Hebrew, her name is Hebrew, and it means my father's joy. And it can also mean the father is the source of my joy. And Abigail was a woman who um, found her joy in the Lord. She was in a very difficult situation. She was married to a very difficult man that we will look at later. Um, but yet her character was one of kindness and of wisdom. And I believe that she was a joy to her heavenly father. And, and I believe that because she's recorded in scripture as an example for all of us. And if we can turn to 1 Samuel 25.3, I want to look at portions of, of this chapter that... Um, Tell a story about Abigail. And the first two things that scripture records about her is that she was a woman of good understanding and a beautiful countenance. And this is in 1 Samuel 25, 3. Now the name of the man was Nabal and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. And we'll see how wise um, Abigail was. And her kindness influenced the heart of David. And this is a hallmark of the virtuous woman. I just want to bring this out. In Proverbs 31, 26, it says of the virtuous woman, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. And we see that Abigail was beautiful on the outside. Uh, that's what scripture says. This word actually has the thought of favor when it talks about that she had a beautiful countenance. I was looking that word up in the Hebrew, and it's connected to, to David and to Esther and to Joseph those who had favor 
And Abigail found favor in the eyes of God. But obviously we see she had an inner beauty that caused her to rise up in the midst of this difficult situation. And it's interesting because scripture compares her character with her husband's. And um, it says that while she had a wonderful wonderful character, her husband uh, was quite the opposite. He was not a good man. He was not a hospitable man. Scripture actually has quite a bit to say to him. And I want to read the three scriptures in this chapter. This is scripture's testimony of him in 1 Samuel 25, 3. It says, but the man was churlish. That means he was harsh and evil in his doing. So he was a wicked man. That's what scripture says. This is what his servant says of him. This is 1 Samuel 25, 17. And this is when he's talking to Abigail. He said, for he is such a man of Belial, that also means wicked, that a man cannot speak to him. He can't be reasoned with. Have you ever had someone like that in your life? He could not be reasoned with. And then Abigail's testimony of him in 1 Samuel 25, 25, when she's speaking to David, she says, regard not this man of Belial, for Nabal is his name and folly is with him. He sounds like a lovely character, doesn't he? He was a harsh man an evil man, a man who couldn't be reasoned with. You couldn't sit down and talk with him and have a conversation and come to a consensus. Um, but we see that Abigail was the epitome of wisdom, but her husband was the epitome of foolishness. And his name means fool. Um, and the foolish are those that do not heed the ways of God. They don't heed the ways of God. And we understand this from the parable of the two builders in Matthew 7, 24 through 28. Here, the Lord tells us the difference between the wise and the foolish. The wise hear and obey. The foolish also hear, but they don't obey. They hear, but they do their own thing. They think their ways are better. They look down upon, and even if you get in, into um, the meaning of the word in the Hebrew, they despise the ways of God. And they seek their own way and their own wisdom and because they have a hard heart and a mind that is not capable of sound judgment. And what happens is they have a very harsh character and they have a life of very hard experiences. And it's one thing to be like that and to be by yourself in a cave somewhere. But here's a man who's married, who has servants, who works with people, who's a very wealthy man. I'm sure he worked with people. You know, and his character, his who he was was so difficult to get along with. I can't even imagine what it was like for Abigail to be married to a man like that. But she was, and she overcame, and she was used by God. And I want us to see there's a beautiful truth here. You know, in one sense, without Nabal, there wouldn't have been an Abigail. And it was Nabal's harsh and foolish character that caused Abigail to come on the scene in wisdom and grace. And I was really quickened with this thought in Romans 9, 21 through 23. Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory and the vessels of mercy which he had of four prepared unto glory. Lord, the Lord used Nabal as a vessel of wrath to work in Abigail, 
who was a vessel of mercy. And God uses vessels of wrath in our lives to do a work of beauty, even of mercy, and of glory. And here, Paul is telling us, it takes long-suffering. It takes a work of grace. And we cry out to God. But the purpose is to make us vessels of mercy. And if any of you have ever experienced a vessel of wrath in your life, and I'm sure we all have in one way or another, or if we haven't, we shall. Um, But in those experiences, you cry out to God because it is only His grace and His mercy that can carry you through. And that is literally how you become a vessel of mercy because you endure by God's grace and you experience His mercy because it's only His mercy that you could endure it. And when you come out, because you've experienced mercy, you show mercy. You know what it's like to be under a hard, wrath, or angry person. And so here we see this terrible situation. God used it to make Abigail a vessel of mercy, to show forth the riches of his glory. And God will do the same thing in his church. He will do the same thing in his church. We will face gross darkness. Isaiah 60 tells us we will face gross darkness, but that darkness will only do one thing. It will cause God's people to arise with his light and in his glory. He is in control. He is in control. He's in control of the people he allows in our lives, whoever they are, whether they're co-workers or family, Church members, I hope it's not in church, but you never know. (laughs) Um, But God is in control. And when these people in these situations come, it is for one purpose, that he might show forth his glory and his grace upon his people as they apprehend his grace. And Abigail, in many ways, was married to a vessel of wrath, but she was not bitter. She was not unforgiving. She was not angry. She was actually quite the opposite. She was full of humility, of sweetness and kindness, and of generosity. She was able to meet God and to overcome, becoming a vessel of mercy. She could show that to others. You know, that is the work of grace. And I want Abigail to be an encouragement to us that we can overcome. We can overcome. God will give grace for us to overcome. And when we're introduced to Abigail, she's in a desperate situation. Much like Esther and Rahab, she has to save her house from peril, albeit from a godly man. Um, So David was fleeing from Saul in the wilderness, and he came upon Nabal's uh, pastures, and he and his men camped there, but they took care of his men. They took care of his sheep. And so David asked Nabal, you know, we've been taking care of your people. Is there anything you can provide for us and our men? I mean, David was totally reliant on the, the goodness of other people to take care of them. Um, well, we know he was, God took care of him. But, you know, that's the situation he was in. And this is Nabal's reply in 1 Samuel 25, verses 10 through 11. And Nabal answered and said, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that? I have killed for my shears, I doubt he killed it, but, and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be. This was such a foolish response. He's acting like, who are you? Everyone knew who David was. Everyone knew that God had ordained David to be king, that he was anointed. And so he knew, and it was foolish. I mean, it, 
In that response, he's actually lining himself with Saul, not David. So as you can imagine, it provoked David. He was angry. It provoked him to anger. And he felt like he had received evil for doing good. So he told his men, listen, we're going to kill his whole household. He is one of God's enemies. And so this is where Abigail comes on this spring and uh, on the scene and her servants tell her, uh, this is the situation and we can't talk to Nabal. He can't be reasoned with. So she gathered provision and she left. She took off and went to see David. And, you know, of the, of the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, 27, it says she looks well to the ways of her household. And Abigail was the saving factor of that household. And she looked out for them and cared for them. She wasn't just seeking to save herself, but her husband and all the servants. And, um, and you know, I was thinking giving David uh, provision was a kind gesture, but it was her words and her humility that appeased David's wrath. And in Proverbs 15, 1, it says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up, stir up anger. And Nabal was a provoker. He was a provoker. He said things that he knew could stir people up to incite a response, to incite anger, fear, jealousy, among other things. And sometimes we have people like that in our lives. Have you ever had a provoker in your life? A provoker, you know, I was thinking about Hannah. Hannah had a vessel of wrath in her life named Peninnah. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 1.6. And her adversary, speaking of Peninnah, provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. So Peninnah provoked her to be afraid, to think she had done something wrong or that she would never have children. But God allowed that in Hannah's life for a time. But, you know, there are times when God will allow people in our lives who provoke us. And, you know, in those experiences, it is so hard to keep your spirit right. It is so hard to keep your spirit right when you're facing those kinds of people because they do things simply because they know it will provoke you. And Nabal was one of those people. And his words had an effect even on David, this man who was after God's own heart and it provoked him to anger. He was so angry that he was going to kill all of these people. And it could have marred his testimony. Um, we'll see, Abigail said to him later, she's like, you know, evil hasn't been found in you up to this day. You know, and it was a little like, David, you know, this isn't worth, this, this isn't worth the trouble. <laughs> but, you know, there's a danger of being provoked. There's a danger of being provoked. And sometimes we can respond in the moment and do things and say things that aren't wise, and we might later regret them. And we see Abigail spoke true, we're going to see this, that she spoke true and gracious words that made David be appeased of his wrath. She ministered encouragement. And it was because she was able to overcome being married to a man who was a provoker. I'm sure it took a tremendous amount of grace and meekness to keep her spirit. But she did. And because of that, because she had obtained that in her life, she can minister that to David and to bring calm and peace into his own spirit. You know, it's so important that we cry out to God for grace, that we're not provoked, that we say things or do things that are unwise. Moses was provoked. He's probably provoked to the uttermost. And 
What happened? He spoke things he shouldn't have, and it limited him. It limited him. Matthew 5, 5 says, it's the meek who inherit the earth. And our inheritance is tied to meekness. And we want to, to be careful. Without it, we cannot enter in. And so we want to be wise. We don't want to be provoked. We need to cry out to God to keep our spirits in those times. Um, you know, David could have been marred in that situation, but he sent one who had a work of meekness and grace done in her life, and she was able to minister that to David. And when God has done a work in our lives, when his fruit is produced in our lives, the fruit of his spirit, other people can taste it. Other people taste it. That's the whole purpose of fruit, isn't it? You don't want to just, oh, that's so pretty, that apple. You buy it to eat it. And the whole purpose for God to produce that fruit in our lives is that he might partake of it first and foremost. He's the husbandman. But others too. When we have obtained the peace of God in our lives, when there are people who are going through troublous times, we can minister to that, that to them. And it's like they're eating a piece of that fruit. They're partaking of it, and it's giving them strength and peace. We can only give people what we have obtained in our own lives. And we see that Abigail obtained something, a substance in this, from the Spirit of God that she can minister to David that brought peace into his life. And so, you know, she comes to him. She, in 1 Samuel 25, 24 through 28, 28, she falls at his feet and she says something amazing. She says, let this iniquity be on me. Let this be on me. Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for that's his name. So is he Nabal, is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord whom thou didst send. I pray you, forgive the trespass of your handmaid. I mean, the humility of this woman. She didn't blame, like, oh, you know, Nabal. She's like, this is on me. This is on me. I should have been there. I should have been there to meet your men. And it almost seems, you know, when she says, you know, don't listen to this man, he's a fool, it's almost like she's come to accept who he is. Like, David, I know, I know, I know the kind of person he is. This is who he is. Don't let it affect you. Don't let it move you. And it's almost as if she's accepted who he is. She's, there's a holy acceptance there. And she didn't seek to, to change him, to argue with her husband, to berate him. She had an understanding from the Lord. He was who he was. And she learned by the grace of God to live with him in spite of that and to commit herself to the Lord and to his goodness. And I'm sure there's a lot of crying out to God to be able to relate to him and intervene in these situations. And clearly this wasn't the first time. It almost seems like she was used to it. She's like, I should have been there. I could have handled this, you know. But, you know, there was a work of grace in her life. And I want to just quote something. Actually, did this get put in the PowerPoint? Maybe not. Oh, you did. Okay. Pastor Paul Karam says this about Abigail in his book on Acts. He says, we determine our own destiny. Someone else does not do it for us. It is not the devil, offenders, or anything else. We are the ones ultimately who destroy ourselves by wrong responses to life's difficulties. There will be no pointing of the finger at the judgment seat. Abigail was married to a fool. 
Yet she had a beautiful countenance and possessed good understanding. Abigail did not say, my life is ruined because of my husband. She did not use her husband as an excuse to go her own way. And I thought that was significant about Abigail. Because it's true, she was in a difficult situation. She could have said, you've ruined my life. But she didn't. She met with God, and, and He gave her what she needed. Abigail recognized, God, you're in control of my life. Not Nabal, you are in control of my life. And she accepted what God was allowing with meekness and humility. There is no other way that someone could respond the way she did unless she had met with God and had a work of grace, a deep work of grace. So often when we're in a situation with someone that's difficult, our tendency is to blame them for our problems and to become hardened or bitter, but Abigail didn't do that. She took the blame upon herself, and she told David, don't regard those words, don't act upon them. And then she says this in verse 28, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and even hath not been found in thee, and evil hath not been found in thee all of these days. And she affirms his future and his character, and she declares, David, your life is in the hands of God. He will deliver you from your enemies, and you will be king. And I want you to see the discernment Abigail had. Not only did she rightly discern who her husband was, she knew who he was, and she accepted that. But she also discerned who David was. She discerned that he was the one God had chosen. And she aligned herself with the godly. And it was because Pastor really brings this out. I can't remember which book it was, but um, I think it was Judges. Um, But he said that it was because she was walking with God that she rightly discerned who David was. And it's interesting because you look at Nabal and he had no discernment. He was actually siding with Saul. But here we see Abigail. She's like, no, you are the one God has chosen. God will do it and he will establish you. She understood who was true and who had received the promises of God. And, you know, this is important for us, especially in these days and the days we're coming into. We must be a people who can discern who are the people of God, who are the ones with the promises of God, who are the ones that God is with, and we align ourselves with them. We align ourselves with them. And so we see Abigail, in a sense, is aligning herself with David and say, you are the one that God has chosen. And then she says this in verses 30 through 31. And it will come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either thou that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. And so this is how Abigail concludes her appeal. And she said, David, because of all that God's done for you, why are you concerning yourself with this matter? Of shedding blood without a reason. You know, she was a woman of wisdom, of wisdom. And wisdom is the ability to see as God sees. It sees the big picture. It doesn't just see the here and now, but as a perspective, a heavenly perspective. Wisdom looks down the road and considers the consequences for what we say and for what we do. Wisdom looks to the Lord and remembers the promises of God. 
And it causes us to walk in the fear of doing anything or saying anything that will cause us not to inherit those promises. And here we see Abigail. She's saying, listen, David, there's so much more. God is going to make you king. And he is with you and he is fighting for you. This is nothing. This is nothing. And when it comes to the time when you are king, that you're not even going to remember this. It doesn't matter. She gave him wisdom, a heavenly perspective to see the big picture and not to live in the moment. And so we see this, the wisdom that she had. And we want to walk in that wisdom, that we see the big picture and that we too walk in the fear of the Lord so that we don't say things or do things that would jeopardize the promises God has given us. And so this appeases David. David, in verse 32, he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent you to me today. Go in peace to your house. I've listened to your voice. I've accepted what you've said. And so Abigail turned the heart of David into the right way, and he was so thankful that the Lord kept him from doing something that wasn't wise. And so Abigail goes home after this stressful day, and what does she find when she comes home? Let's read verse 36. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was having a big party in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry, and he was very drunk. This is the life she had. She was out sacrificing her life, doing all this for him, and he has no clue. He's home having a party, completely drunk. And so very wisely, she said to herself, I'm not going to talk to him tonight. I'll wait till tomorrow. But she submitted everything to her husband. And the next morning, she told him, and we know what happened. He became like a stone. I don't know if he had a stroke or something of that nature. Ten days later, it says the Lord smote him, and he died. So the Lord stepped in, and David recognized that. The Lord avenged him. He didn't have to avenge himself. Um, but look at the life Abigail had. You know, it's amazing. I, I really admire her. I admire her so much. And then David, you know, he communed with Abigail. He wanted her to be his wife. Um, but I want you to see Abigail's response to him when he asked her this. I don't know if any uh, woman's ever said this to a proposal. In 1 Samuel 25, verse 31, she arose and bowed herself on her face to the earth and said, Behold, let thine handmaid be a servant, so wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. You can't get any lower than that. She's like, I'm here, I'll wash the feet of your servants. You know, when you have a heart like that, it's almost impossible to be offended. <laughs> you can't go much lower. She was so beautiful. She was so beautiful. And she was willing to take the lowest place. And we know that she did commit herself to David, which was a, a fairly big thing when you think about it, because she had, a, a, other than her husband, all of her needs and wants were met. He was a wealthy man, and she was going off with David, a man who was fleeing in the wilderness, hiding in caves and trusting the Lord for food. It was kind of a, it wasn't a small thing she was doing. Um, but, you know, I want to close with this one verse in Proverbs 11, verse 16. It says, a gracious woman retains honor 
a gracious woman retains honor. And even says of, of the people when Jesus was ministering, you know, they said they couldn't resist his gracious words. The Lord spoke with such grace, and it says of him in the scripture, doesn't it, that he came to us in grace and in truth. There had been such a deep work of grace done in the heart of Christ. And I seen Abigail, that, that same work of grace, that she was able to speak the, those words. You know, you, you can't just do that. That's not natural. Her response was not natural. It was because of a deep work of grace. And because of that, she was able to minister gracious words. You know, something that was quickened to me when I was teaching this up at ZMI is that if we have harsh words, it reveals something about our lives. There's still a lack of a work of grace in us. There's still a lack of a work of grace. And I look at Abigail and I'm like, if she can obtain grace to have gracious words, I can <laughs> because I am not facing anything like she did. But she lived with a vessel of wrath, and it caused her to cry out to God and to be filled with his mercy and his grace so that she could overcome. Daniel shared so beautifully last week that these saints and scriptures are not superhumans, but they're a pattern for us. They're a pattern for us. And I want us to look at Abigail as an example of one who apprehended grace, who apprehended grace to overcome such a difficult and foolish and obstinate, provoking person in her life. She shows us that we can endure vessels of wrath without becoming bitter, without becoming harsh, and come out as vessels of mercy that reflect the riches of God's glory. And we want a work of grace in our lives that flows through our words and our actions. And if there's anything you take away from this message, it is that, that we would be people of grace. And I am still working on it too. So I'm preaching to myself here. In fact, just yesterday, I'm like, Daniel, uh, I, we can be so quick to respond to things, can't we? And get stirred up. And it's not always just by people. It's by situations, right? But, oh, Lord, teach us to not be provoked, but to wait upon you, to receive grace and to have wisdom to conduct ourselves in a way that's pleasing to you. And remember, too, that the work of the Spirit in our lives is not just for us or just to be seen, but so that we can give to others of his love, of his joy, of his peace, of his faith and long-suffering in our lives, of his mercy, that people can taste of that and receive it and be encouraged and strengthened. And of course, for our Heavenly Father, because He is the good and patient husbandman who has been waiting a long time for these things to come forth in our lives. So this morning on Mother's Day, we didn't actually look at her as a mother. It comes later on. Um, she has David's second son in Hebron. Samuel, at first Samuel, I think it's 3.3, 3, he's called Chiliab. But in Chronicles chapter 3, he, his name is Daniel, so but it's the same person. Um, but, you know, she's such a godly woman, and, you know, one day we shall meet her by God's grace. And, um, you know, she's someone to be admired and to look up, looked up to as a woman who found grace and who showed grace. Amen.
Amen. So uh, we'll have Elizabeth will share a song, and then Daniel will bless the moms today. <laughs> 